Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. Phil Tiger. Hello Slackers, I hope you're all good, I hope you're well, Uh, I hope your lockdown is going pretty good, Um, I mean as good as it possibly can be, it's not like we're being sent to war uh, or we're like being taken away from our houses and being forced to move country, like we're, all that's being asked of us is to be in the house, staying away from other people. I'm sure we can do that until uh, this calms down a little bit. And as this uh, sort of progresses, the more and more podcasts I'm going to record. I haven't actually done that many through Zoom or Zencaster or any of the numerous different ways of recording podcasts online. And I've started doing some now. I've, I've recorded a few. Uh, and they're, they're, sounding, they're sounding pretty good. So this series is going to be... A good bit longer than I had, I had anticipated. The podcast that we're listening to at the minute, the ones you've listened to so far in the season, um, and the podcast today as well, is um, they they were all done over the last couple of months, so they were all done face to face. So I think you'll you'll notice like the sort of dip in audio quality when we get there, but it still sounds good. It's still it's still fine. Um, I've been passing the time this week working on some radio sketches with some friends. Um, I was doing my chill show on Radio One on Sunday. I was uh, covering for Annie Mac um, last night on on Radio One. I had an interview with Mike Skinner live on the radio, and he swore twice on it, and it was hilarious. <laughs> We had to cut Mike Skinner off halfway through, going, "All right, Mike, no more swearing. Thanks very much." Um, right, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to blather on for too long. Um, all I can say is that uh, the podcast is sponsored by the Slackers Guide to the Music Industry. It is the one-stop shop for anybody who wants to release music 
or get their music out there or just learn a little bit more about the music industry you can pick that up on my website which is philtaggartslacker.com mad love to the the new patreons um from last week who've come on to support the podcast which is incredible like it's it, it, like you're really really helping uh keep the podcast going i'm trying to like not do advertisements in this season which i mean from a financial point it's probably really stupid but from a personal point it means i don't have to flog a load of old shite <laughs> which is just the, the best way to be do you know what i mean it it just makes it i don't know it makes it feel a little little bit purer um so i'm trying the the patreon out to see whether that that actually works so if you want to donate to the podcast or support it in in any way and you enjoy it and you want it to keep on going then go to patreon.com forward slash slacker podcast this week it is all about all j i went to one of their houses uh in dalston i'm not gonna give you the full address um unless you are top tier maybe that's a t- good top tier for the the patreon uh, if you're top tier of the patreon i'll give out all the addresses of the people i interview um i went to his house which is lovely 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 gaff um and sat down and we talked quite uh, a lot and at length about the the career of alt j and various different bits and pieces um i think there were some weird business ideas that were coming up there's a lot of talk about oysters um and we have a special demo as we do every single week as well here it is the slacker podcast with alt j in three two one this is a, a different podcast for for myself like i'm i'm in your house i'm wearing I, slippers I, you are wearing slippers. I, like as soon as I came through the door, I did my normal Irish farmer thing and just slunched on in without <laughs> taking my shoes off. And I, I got I've got very like paranoid since I've been in here and stand on your lovely rug um, with with like shoes. They're not no, dirty. Cool. They don't it's have fine. It's fine. With shoes 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 off upstairs is the only rule in this house. Yeah, I can yeah. I can I can feel that. Like yeah. you, you got you got nice carpet going on up there. Yeah. Well, you know, you. When you do a lot of touring, you really feel like treating yourself to a nice carpet. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Interiors Podcast. I'm telling you, man. There, there, there's 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 a there's a market out there for for there's a market there's a podcast for anything out there. Really, like yeah, yeah, that's very true. Do you listen to any podcasts? Yeah, many. Yes, I do. Um, I mean, I listen to your you know standard ones i'm i've adam buxton i listen to a lot of cricket podcasts mm-hmm. um and then like i wanted to try and start i'd still want to try and start um an a podcast about oysters i'm an oyster lover really mm. i approached a few um people for, like fellow musicians uh dan from bastille was made very polite noises about it but it hasn't happened yet leanna have us never got back to me <laughs> So I'm not, I'm sort of, I lost confidence in my idea of the podcast. Do you think um, people might have been humouring you? I don't know. I mean, I think because basically it started because Joe and I, um, Joe from the band, we, when we were making our third album, we, we both used to live, um, basically walking, walking down Broadway Market in Hackney was sort of both of our way to get into Shoreditch where we were recording. And there's mm-hmm. a fishmonger there that does oysters. And we used to quite often have what we called a slippery breakfast together, which was having some oysters at like 10 in the morning on the way to the studio. Um, and um, and then I, and basically we, we would like chat to the fishmonger, chat to each other, you know, it was, and it was like, 
I was just sort of like, this could be a podcast, basically, just yeah. like a, quite a couple of pe- couple of people eating some oysters and you know, sort of shooting the breeze. It wouldn't be a very long podcast, maybe until you get somebody who's allergic to shellfish and has anaphylactic shock. Yeah, and exactly. Dies. I would definitely make sure I, would I tune into that, dotted though. the i's and crossed the t's before that. But anyway, but, but also I, I was going to call it Shuck Buddies, which I thought was a really great name. I was trying to think of the, like what I would call it. I was like, yeah. don't. Down the neck, <laughs> down the neck is down, quite good. Down the neck podcast <laughs> with Gus. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it hasn't got off the ground yet. I might have to um, pick your brains afterwards for any podcasting tips, or maybe right now. I don't know. Well, you but... never, you never know. Like there, there, there might be some um, fishing companies or uh, haulage companies or whatever that, that might like want to jump into bed with you on this sponsorship. You mean that's it. sponsored yeah. by. Um, you're not B- meant- bird's eye. <laughs> Masks, birds, birds eye oysters yeah um, you know mm. you're not meant to like i've never actually had them like the the idea of it kind of like, I, i'm fascinated by them because i was in gothenburg a, a couple yeah. of weeks ago and um my missus was eating them like they were going out of fashion i just thought being irish you'd be all over them yeah well like yeah. apparently so but i just like I have a thing where I've, i i have a mental block where i think i'm allergic to shellfish even right. though i know i'm not okay yeah 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 no it's fair <laughs> enough. i mean my wife doesn't like oysters this is, I think this is part of the problem is that I chose a food stuff that few people have even tried, let yeah. alone like. But that's that's a good that's a good reason to get into it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, I suppose everyone needs a niche. Um, like one thing that's been aimed at your band over over the years is the the, the Randy lyrics that you mm. you have, right? Like I'm starting to join the dots here because, like, obviously uh, oysters are a natural aphrodisiac. So they say. And if, yeah. if you're necking them before yeah. going into the studio and, and writing lyrics, you're, yeah. like, you're gonna be you're gonna be writing like a Mills and Boone. I never thought novel. of that. I mean, there is a song on our third album, um, uh, which is called "Hit Me Like That Snare," which is, I mean, frankly, so top shelf that even I often skip it when listening to the album because it makes me embarrassed. Um, so yeah, you know, I've never made that connection before. Joe and I were eating a hell of a lot of oysters during those sessions. There you go. go. Like, it's like, I don't know if you keep going the way you're going, the next album might be like 50 shades of gray or something. Yeah, exactly. It might actually be, have to have one of those, um, parental advisory stickers on it, which let's face it is every musician's dream. Exactly. I mean, you have to. to Dude, you you should have them on your, your stickers already. No, if they do, do they still do them? I don't know. It feels a bit nineties. The the track it's educated by last exit to Brooklyn. Mm, yeah, I mean, talks about somebody getting. Yeah, that's not even. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're a yeah, fan, you know yeah. we don't have to talk <laughs> you about know, it. You know. It's too early in the day. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had my oysters yet. If you know, you know. Yeah. Um, so mm. we start every podcast the same way with a, a, an early demo, and the one I have um, here from you is it says on on youtube it was published in 2013 but i know that that is only when it was published it was out a long yeah, I mean, time I, I think, i'm not even sure who who put this up on youtube someone called anakin anakin, anakin skywalker 88 subscribers all j as can you pronounce that please? so that daljit daliwell which was our first band name yeah yeah so uh, let's hear it I love you, Leon, yeah, 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 I love you,
there you have it, an advertisement for a healthy fast food chain, <laughs> Leon, Alt-J yeah. Alt demo there. Um, was, what, what, what era of Alt-J was that? Was that the very beginning? Yeah, that was, um, that was one of the first songs we ever wrote, really. Um, I'm, I think we played that at our first, or certainly our second gig, I would say, in 2008 or nine. Mm. Um uh, so it's one of two songs, that and Matilda, which are about the film Leon. Mm-hmm. You ever seen that film? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Long time ago. Yeah, Joe had this obsession with that film um, and harboured, may still harbour uh, an interest in writing a whole sort of like musical or opera about it. Wow, okay. Um, I don't know if, if you'd appreciate me saying that. Well, but, you've heard uh, it here first now. Yeah, completely exactly. confirmed Andrew Lloyd I think it'd Webber. be great. I mean, you know, yeah. like it's... It's a very, you know, as a film, it's, you know, the sort of the love story and the violence and all of it, it's, it's, it would work extremely well on the stage, I think. And I mean, the two, I love that song, Leon. It just, it didn't, it never seemed quite, I don't know why we didn't put it on our first album. Well, I I suppose I do know in that it just seemed a bit, I think we just saw it as slightly juvenile in terms of its, I don't know how it was written or something. I don't Mm. know, but I, I really, I get a massive bang out of listening to it. I know a lot of our fans really like it. Joe's dad, who's like, Jay's biggest fan, I suppose, or and you know, really often says, "Oh, I really think you should have, you know, put Leon on an album." You know, um, you're like, "Okay, Captain Hindsight." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, I think it's, I think it's a really cool song, and uh, that's yeah, that was recorded in 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 the bedroom in Leeds, in Will's bedroom in uh, on Ashgrove in in Hyde Park. When when you got together to write something like that, it feels like it's not educated by one particular band, and and you can't normally attribute that to any like any band starting out normally their first song you'll be like oh that sounds a little bit like x that sounds a little Mm. bit like y every band every band's first song sounds a little bit like something because you're trying to find your feet musically to sound like your own self like but i I can't sort of like pick who that's like i know i mean i guess there's maybe something something a bit kind of like 80s indie about it but then but i don't think any of us were actually into that kind of thing um you know and i'm not i'm not a huge music like geek anyway so i couldn't really accurately say oh it sounds like early you know uh, joy division or something i don't know i mean if i had to say it sounds like something like that i'd probably put it in that era but yeah i think we've always been one of those bands that you know did just not quite exist it was hard to tell who our influences were and I'm not sure we really had any influences to is, be that, honest. is that because you were all coming from coming to it from different places yeah i think so i think it was that we all had different backgrounds, different tastes in music. I mean, by backgrounds, I mean like musical backgrounds. You know, I was I was like a classical musician, also quite influenced by my mum's family who were really into like folk music. Joe was sort of a sort of a self-taught guitarist, really influenced by his dad who played like classics in the pub um, and, you know, listened to, grew up listening to lots of stuff like Laurel Canyon kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Tom had been in metal bands. He was really exclusively into metal basically when we started the band and Gwil had kind of yeah grown up listening mainly to hip-hop I think so it was this weird stew of um influences and styles and disciplines that that became Alt-J or Dalji Daliwal or whatever um and I think we really let the chemistry guide it rather than sitting down and being like right who do we want to sound like who do we like you know that kind of well, thing there wasn't a conversation like that like no, it, it, it was like here we are. Like, was there somebody who, who led the way who was like, 
the person who really made the project take off. At the yeah, beginning. definitely Joe, hundred percent Joe. Yeah. I mean, Joe took it unbelievably seriously from day one, really, which was great because if I have a fault, well, I have many faults, but one of my faults is that I am a little bit of a. I'll think of something and get excited about it, and then sort of let it go. Did I mention that I was interested in starting an oyster podcast? <laughs> Coming soon, <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty-five. You know, I mean, I had that idea like three years ago, and still uh, an episode has yet to exist. Um, so you know, and I remember, like, you know, I told the story a few times, I think, but like um, a few a few months into starting the band, um, we were do we were practicing a lot. We practiced like two or three times a week religiously, um, and my family dog got really ill, and I was really upset. And she was gonna have to be put. She was gonna have to be put down, and um, then and I was like, you know, saying to Joe, I think I just don't really feel like doing band practice tonight. And Joe yeah. was like, rang me and was like, you're coming to band practice. I'm sorry about your dog, but band practice is more important. Oh than yeah, he's got that dog. He's got that military style. Yeah, and it's funny. And and I should say, You'll actually, get... the dog miraculously recovered and lived for many more years. So that's a nice ending. I mean, to that's that. kind of egg on your face. Could you imagine you didn't turn up? And they see you walking the dog out the yeah, next day. Terrible. What is it they shout? What is it they shout to teams that are failing on the on the terraces? Sacked in the morning. Yeah, exactly. In the morning. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you know, and, and Joe, I think by his own admission, is you know he's he's really only he's he's quite a re- relaxed, laid back guy. You know, Joe is somebody who you can have spend an incredibly enjoyable afternoon with, just sitting around watching TV, talking rubbish, and eating crisps. You know, but when it comes to music, he's incredibly disciplined and incredibly focused and so you know he he really took the band super seriously and really pushed all of us to do so as well and you that need was great that, though yeah you, definitely you need somebody who's going to put on the the military boots and go for a march like 100 um you mentioned the the name and I, I hate saying saying things that i can't i know for a fact i can't pronounce that'll do daddy well yeah. and then films and then films yeah. which is a, a great word to say my accent Films, films, yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> and then obviously Alt J. One of the things in just music journalism in general, I think one of the worst questions, the most boring and listless things you can ask somebody is about a name. Mm. Um, and I'm not going to ask you about the name, but I'm, I'm going to ask you about was there others in the pool mm. that you didn't go for? Um, so I think initially the band. So initially Joe and Gwill, who left after the first album, had done a couple of demos together, and they were calling themselves Anzara, which is Joe's mum's name. Uh, so that was the very, very, very first band name. If you want to get really uh, technical, um, some Alt J fans are going to be writing that down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Did you know? <laughs> and then I think when we were like, I mean, we we basically had to change our name from Films because it just became. We were, we were clashing with another band called The Films, and we'd got we'd we'd played at this thing called Live at Leeds, you know, Live at Leeds, yeah, I do, um, yeah. And they'd printed like a picture of, they'd printed our name, but a picture of the films and a biog of the films or something, and it was sort of like this, like sort of where they were from, like South Carolina, and just sounded a bit dire. Yeah, and it's it's not very searchable as well, is it? Like if somebody tr- tries to like go, oh, I love that band, I'm going to search them out, and they get go to IMDb. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. So we sort of got told to change your name. By this point, we had a manager and a lawyer and stuff. Um, so we were we were kicking loads of ideas around. I mean, Very Heavy was a band name that I think we all quite liked. <laughs> quite uh, like that. It's quite a good band name, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's not bad. Um, but I can't remember too many more other than that. But Alt-J really just sort of just seemed to work. It was definitely not taken. Um, and it seemed suitably art school to us at the time. So we, so we went for it. Yeah. Like, did you go to art school with the idea that you should start a band. I mean, the old the old adage is that mm. you know, bands like Blur, um, I think maybe the Beatles, 
pulp beat the other yeah, Beatles. I mean, loads, like, yeah, a lot of famous bands started in in art school. Like, yeah. was, was that in the back of your head? It was for Joe. I mean, I I didn't study art, so we were at Leeds University. Joe, Gwill, and Tom were all studying fine art. Um, I was doing English, but yeah, Joe. That was definitely what he wanted. Really, I think you know, Joe. By the time he was eighteen and stuff, was really getting into playing guitar, really getting into writing songs, and wanted to go to university. Yes, to study art, but also to start a band and meet like-minded musicians. And I think he thought art school was the place to do that. What sort of uh, university students were you? Were you the sort of ones to go out and wear novelty t-shirts and, and drink six shots for six pounds? Or were you the sort of more like hipster sit in uh, um watch like ironic DVDs? Yeah, I suppose we were probably more the second kind of... And we, we were not uh, unafraid. We were not afraid of a night out, you know, and we definitely... Um, did a bit of that six shots for six pounds stuff as well. But I think, I just, I think everybody was doing that at Leeds in 2008. You know, it just was like, it didn't, it wasn't just sort of like the lads with a capital L who were into that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but we were, you know, for sure, more into like um, sitting around and, you know, really playing music and yeah, talk and, and watching comedy, watching weird films and, yeah, like you What's said. A, what sort of comedy were you watching? Because I think we, we were probably at university at the same yeah. time. And all my friends were into Family Guy and things like that. And I really didn't like it. Mm. So I bought Blue Jam, the Chris Morris uh, yeah. comedy. Yeah, Chris and Morris, definitely. Like Dark Place, we yeah. all really liked. Um, and that kind of thing. Um, Snuffbox and stuff. I think the Mighty Bush was in its peak. Yeah, the Mighty Bush, exactly. I think um, I think it was like, it was a fun, the Mighty Bush was in a funny place at the time. Um in the, it sort of it become that it was that thing where sort of like indie people were sort of starting to hate on it a little bit, you know, because it was yeah, too yeah. popular. <laughs> uh, and to be fair, it did go quite savagely downhill in this third series. Sorry, um, it's all right. They're coming back now in 2019. Are they? I think so. Um, oh, no, 2020. Oh, what on. year? Are we on? Um, Who's the president? <laughs> I saw um, I saw Rich Fulcher, who plays Bob Fossil, in um, what was I watching? Nights ago, he was oh, um, Marriage Story, the new Noah Baumbach film. Really, he plays the judge in the divorce court. I'm pretty sure. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's but worth a watch, it's pretty depressing. It's, if you're it, married, <laughs> I'd say maybe watch it. Oh, uh, <laughs> do you know what? I think that's the one that my, my is it on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, my wife's watched it. Adam refu- Driver I, I, and yeah, Scarlett Hansen. I refuse to watch it. It's good, it's really good, but it's like you know, I'm I got married about nine months ago, and it's like. You sort of watch it. You're like, shall we just split, we up? Just split yeah. up now? Yeah. Why wait? You know, Seven, it's going to happen. It's the seventh of January. Yeah. It's just like completely tear our lives apart even more than exactly. it. It'll, it'll rain needs. But to a be. little cameo. Well, not cameo. It's just a little little bit of uh, Bob Fossil. It's quite quite funny uh, spot in the in the divorce court scene. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So we were, we were really into comedy and really into like odd stuff like that. I mean, I remember Joe had these business cards made in second year for himself as an artist that just had a quote from Garth Rengis' Dark Place on them and it just said his name, Joe Jerome Newman, and then, then said, I had a cat once, I dropped a sofa on it, it was a write-off, so I stood on its head. And that was just all it said on his business cards. So that should tell you what kind of students we were, <laughs> making I, weird little references. Yeah, I can I, I can feel that. Like, what, what does a ar- fine arts student need with a card? As in, like, what... I think what it was, was he flogging? I think it was a bit of a thing. I think it was a bit of a thing at the time to sort of like, you know, I guess it was sort of like a, felt like a step towards seriousness or something. Mm. I don't know. Um, I think it was also quite a good offer. He found sort of like 100 business cards for a tenner or something like that. Up next, our website. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and I don't know. I think, I don't know. I'm not sure, but he had these cards anyway. I remember him giving them out. And I probably, I might still have one. Probably, probably worth about. 
10 pounds. I was in the band at the exact same time and we only had 200 pounds left of the band account. And the guitarist in the band after I had a go at him for not doing enough of the admin and yeah. the industry side of things, spent yeah. the last 200 pounds on, on um, business cards. Wow, that's a lot of business cards. Yeah, who the fuck were we going to give it to? We were in Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> You know everybody anyway. I'm also quite envious that you had £200 in your band account. I don't think that we had that much money in our account until we got signed. Yeah, well, we were racketeering cigarettes across the border. Oh, like, so, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what were those like uh, early recording sessions like with you guys? Like, I, I, I saw somewhere that you know, bass and drums just weren't a thing. We had some friends who were studying music tech at Leeds Met, and so we went up to their studios for a day to do some recording, and I just had never had that much fun in my life. It was like just sort of messing about can i say pissing about was, yeah pissing about with your with your friends but also seeing something actually taking shape that really felt proper and real and and seeing the big mixing desk hearing yourselves played on big studio monitors was just beyond exciting um and somehow that just the giddiness of doing that just made those recording days incredibly fun um that demo we heard earlier leon was was as i said a bedroom recording and that was just exciting as well. I mean, Gwil had a bit of skill with Garage Band. He he was the only one of us who had like a fancy laptop. Somebody told me this once that one of Mumford and Son's parents is richer than the Queen. So we're, we're, none, I mean, so where are you in the Premier League table? Oh God, like I mean, we are middle class bands. We're, we're, I mean, you know, maybe in terms of uh, accents, some of us might sound a bit posh. I mean, <laughs> but you know, two 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 out of four of us went to, went to comps. Uh, I had a I. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not Mumford and Sons. Okay, that right, fair enough. Um, and I, I had some like jodhpurs I was going to give. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I'll keep yeah, them. mine are at the dry cleaners. And even just that demo we heard, you know, it goes out of time a little bit and stuff. But actually, we re-recorded that demo in London a few years later and didn't like it as much, even though it was technically more polished. We just kind of found it. We found that Leeds demo had more spirit and more more sort of soul. There's no better feeling than hearing your songs recorded back for the first time properly yeah exactly. and, and and like that elation that you get is probably the biggest moment you'll have with that song in your whole life it's really. true yeah even playing it on stage but the first time you hear it back from a studio you're like oh, this is how it this is how it's meant to sound it's amazing it's amazing it really is isn't it and um you just you know you you, you really are you know i think that every musician feels that even probably bruce springsteen making his you know fifty thousandth album probably you know goes back into the control room to hear something back and you know he goes wow there it is you know ties a bandana behind his head but like over his head yeah like nods and goes yeah yeah exactly flicks a flicks a marlboro out of the pack that he keeps in his uh (laughs) tucked in his (laughs) t-shirt um but like the 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 recordings of those songs they didn't move to the forward that much to the album like you knew what you were doing from from the get-go or did you know what you were doing I think we were moving very fast at that time and we were writing lots of songs and getting very excited about the next one and the next one, you know, um, probably as I said, that probably, you know, explains why Leon never ended up on an album. You know, I, I couldn't have imagined us writing a better song than that at the time when we did that. But then in the end, it was not really considered for album one because we sort of had, you know, whatever, 10, 12 other songs that we thought were better and probably were better. Um, yeah, it was... I think we just we I think we never had any doubt in ourselves. That was a really, you know, amazing thing. We never really stopped to go, are we doing the right thing? Are we on the right track? You know, we loved the music we were making. I mean, I really think that we were we were ourselves favourite bands, you know what I mean? Favourite band. You know, I remember I used to listen to I used to walk around walk around campus with my listening to those demos we were doing on my iPod all the time and just like almost 
couldn't believe that I was listening to my own band. I liked it so much. And I, that might sound sort of big headed and weird, but no, I get that. I think it was just, you know, that was, that's sort of the ideal, isn't it? You, when you're making, if you're making, if you're cooking, you want to make food that tastes delicious to you. And if you're making music, I think you want to make music that you really, really want to listen to. And that was the only real parameter we had as a band was like, let's make music that we think is great. And we were doing that. And that was amazing. The, the difficulty that most bands have is like after they put together a couple of songs and they're really, really happy with it, it's trying to figure out how to get that into the shops, like in probably yeah. 2007, yeah. how to get that online, and how to navigate that industry side of things, like how to get it out, out of the Leeds University campus mm. and, and into the world. Did you have difficulties with that or did you have people that helped you out along the way? Like, um, Did you go searching for managers? Did you post things off to record labels yeah, we did we did, did we did some unbelievably amateurish stuff i mean like we go on hit me with it i love like hearing we, i remember we, looking stuff. up addresses of labels that we liked and physically posting them cd demos um, we never got any responses to those like i think we must have sent some to like excel um or a label called brill i don't know if they're still around who like good shoes were signed to oh yeah they were um, great yeah I yeah love that loved band. good shoes yeah. um and then uh, we also wrote emails. This is really embarrassing. We wrote, we wrote emails to like management companies of artists that we liked, asking if we could support them. And we sort of wrote this like <laughs> we wrote this sort of like boilerplate template email, being like, "We are huge fans of X and would love to support them." And obviously, <laughs> accidentally sent this email just saying X to some people, to some managers. So embarrassing. I've I've, I've had those sent to me, yeah. and if I'm being honest, I've. I've done the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, of course it, you. You've got to hustle. Yeah, you've got to hustle. We definitely hustled, um, and we, I, it, we were really lucky in that we had this. Um... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I don't think he, you know, we had this friend, I had this friend from sixth form, Nick, who was working as a scout for a label called Hideout. And he just helped us out absolutely loads with just like, he really liked our music and um, helped us finding, helped us, he, he basically just rang me up 
and one day and was like, oh, my, my friend Joe is a lawyer. Uh, he wants to be your lawyer. And I, I remember I was just on campus. <laughs> what have I done? Have I killed somebody? Yeah, well, exactly. I was like, what? We don't need a lawyer. Why would I need a lawyer? You know, yeah. Uh, and he was like, no, you'll, you'll need a lawyer. It's good to have a lawyer. So come meet Joe next time you're in London. And so we, and so we got this lawyer. And then it just kind of all went from there. They started looking for a manager for us and helping us. We then got a radio plugger who we're still with, still with a lawyer, still with the radio plugger. And then third, we got a manager who we're still with, you know. Um, You're a very loyal band. It's very, very, yeah. very rare a band that has been going for as long as you have to stay with the whole team. People who don't know about the music industry might be like going, oh, that sounds normal, but it's it's really not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the only the only person we've ever sacked was a publicist. And that wasn't even really our decision. Um, mm. uh, it was the label, really. Um I mean, yeah, we 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 do pride ourselves on that, you know, and with our crew as well on tour. I mean, I, 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 I've heard a lot of crew say that like our tour is the favorite tour they've been on. That no no other tour is like it because we really are like a family. And again, I don't want to sound braggy saying that, but we take so much pride in that. It makes me so happy to hear that because we have a lot of fun on tour. We hang out with our crew all the time and go on days out and eat together, mess about together you know, drink together after the gig and it's, there's no separation really, or as little as we try to keep the separation as minimal as we can. Obviously sometimes we have to travel separately to for reasons of load-ins and stuff, but you know, yeah. so yeah. And we, and a lot of our crew have been with us since, you know, 2012 as well. So yeah. How do you treat your tour support bands? I, I feel like, you Terribly. Can, I feel like you can, t- you can tell a lot about a person and like in a company, right? How they treat yeah. the person who's just starting out, like they, <laughs> like like the how the boss treats the intern is how the boss is. Like I, I've always thought, right? Yeah. How the band is with the tour yeah. support is always like, like do you, do you sort of like look after them and or do or do you yeah, just like I let mean, them sort yeah, of? Yeah, we do. On? I mean, we've had some amazingly fun uh, times with our tour, with our supports on tour. I mean, the problem is obviously sometimes you might have a band just for one gig, and it can be hard to. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to bond over that. Yeah, it's hard to bond. But I mean, we try to watch them as much as possible. Um, we, we, yeah, I mean, like Marika Hackman, for, who supported us a lot on our last album campaign. She lives around the corner, actually. Um, we hung out with her and her band all the time. Um, have you ever had a support band that's come on and you thought they're a bit too good? And you're like going, oh, shit, we have to go on after them. Um, we had, n- gosh, that's a good question. I mean, I remember when Clean Bandit were supporting us at Shepherd's Bush being, and they were just, not just starting out by any means, but just starting to get big, I guess. And it was like, crikey, you know, these guys are diff- very different to us, but, you know, very, very good. And it wasn't that I was like, it wasn't that we were scared to go on afterwards, but I remember being like, wow, that's, this is probably going to be massive. And then it went on to do yeah, the well, most, they, most stream song of all time or something. Yeah, they had that song, time. Rather Be. Yeah, yeah, it was just before that came out, I think. And I think, like, yeah, it was it was pretty much synced to everything from, like, a like from a toilet unclocking ad, yeah, yeah, ad to yeah. like <laughs> really wants exactly. a big weekend. You know exactly, I mean? exactly. It was everywhere. It's uh, still a great song. Um, I mean, we did have, we did have. I find it very odd to think of them supporting you. Yeah. No. I sort of, we sort you've of. You've gone different ways. A little and, bit. You've gone different ways in the, like there's a fork in the road and you've yeah. gone left and they've gone right. It's true. I mean, we've definitely not gone down the road of like doing songs with um, Calvin Harris or doing feet, getting features from, Craig David or whoever. Or the Cortana ad. Yeah, Cortana ad. God, it's funny because I sort of know Neil, who used to be in the band quite well. He's my sort of best friend from school, best friend from uni. Sure. And um, 
Yeah, the Cortana ad. I don't think ranks. I, th- I don't think ranks in his proudest moments of all time. It's all right, we now works for um, the Institute for Fiscal Studies, I think, or the no, the Foreign Office. He's very brainy. Well, I think that's like the natural progression to go from pop music to the Foreign Office, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's what I hoped to do. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, that was. I mean, we, we did have one support on our last American tour. I'm not going to name names, but um, it wouldn't be too hard to figure out who it was. Uh, who really? didn't who's didn't treat us very well <laughs> really that you don't you don't hear that too often where the tour support is like <laughs> yeah and we felt a bit like we were sort of rattling support and sort of trying to get them to sort of come we sort of asked them to come for a drink after the show and they had to ask through their tour manager and tour manager said they would try and make an appearance <laughs> we're like we've just what? taken you on a tour <laughs> It was very funny. Are you um, kidding me? I feel a bit bad even not naming names. It's all right. But I mean, it was just like seriously so... straight on song kick. That was quite a long... Uh, find out who that was. That. actually, the band were great and I'm still friends with some of, you know, the band. Yeah. So, and yeah, it was just, the artist was a bit... Having a tough time. Having a tough time. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, touring's very difficult. Like, um, are, Do you enjoy, like, touring? Or, or, like, are you one of those bands that live to go on the road or is it something that's a necessary evil um yeah i mean we really we have a great time touring i mean obviously it's it's hard i mean it's funny like i often make a joke about this like when you're talking to somebody after a gig like someone's say a family friend comes just to watch you somewhere and they're like oh what's it like being on tour and you get into this loop of going yeah it's great fun but you know it's hard but of course it's great fun but you know it's hard but yeah, it's you- fun and it's true it's a combination of the two i mean you can have an, you know, we have amazing times. We really enjoy our days off. You get to travel the world, but also there is a hell of a lot of downtime where you're just, you know, sat in a dressing room and you're playing in a venue that's not even in town, so you can't go for a walk and get a coffee and you know send a postcard. You're just sort of stuck there, and you're bored to tears and quite depressed. You know, sometimes yeah. there's that that gap between sound check after lunch and you know um, the gig is like. Six hours long, and well, that's why people, that's why people hard. start drinking, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Because you like yeah. you, have, you just drink in to fill the time, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, we've luckily not done that, not gone down that road. Um, you know, save it for after the gig kind of thing. But it's certainly, especially your gig, like you, like the way you guys play and the yeah. de- dexterity you need to play ninety minutes of your music. It's yeah. not exactly like thrash punk where you're just <laughs> it's three chords. No, and Joe, and, Joe and I have each, each been drunk on stage once, and each really regretted it and really learnt a lesson like I, mine was at a festival in germany and i just was it was raining and it was one of those gigs where it was raining onto the stage and that was getting really wet and i was yeah. really pissed off didn't want to be there so i did i had like i did about four shots and had like four beers and they were quite strong beers and i was just hammered but i didn't mean i didn't mean to get hammered but yeah. I, I think tom said into his talk mic talk back mic to the crew where he'd say oh, i need a new stick he was like I think Gus is slurring his words. I think I was. When I was talking to the crowd, I was fucking hammered. Um, Hello, Hamburg. Hello, Hamburg. Yeah, and I came on stage and I I was like, I'm never doing that again. It was a horrible feeling. So great great to be here, Bremen. (laughs) You're a wonderful audience. Yeah, yeah. It's not cool. (laughs) No, I know. Um, (laughs) So, like, the the debut album, like, was... Obviously, it, it took off and did... Like, I'm sure you couldn't have even really bartered for what was to happen with that really no no absolutely not i mean you know we were we were really buzzed to get be getting you know played on getting played by hugh stevens on radio one and getting you know played a bit on six music and stuff and 
you know, that was really, I think, what we were pegged for was indie success, you know, and... And Kings of the Underground. Yeah, and it and it just massively went way beyond that, to be honest, their first album, and it was, was crazy, um, you know, and it was a lot of fun. And I think at the time, we didn't really take... We, did, we took it all on our stride in quite a big way, I think. We were just so... We were touring so much, you know, we toured that first album for about two years, um, and, you know, we were just levelling up constantly, like... Just every every next like in a computer game, every kind of rising cloud, we just managed to jump onto it and got lifted up to the next one. It was like you know we played the borderline, and we played you know sort of like Shepherd's Bush, and then it was like oh did two Shepherd's Bushes, okay Brixton, that sold out two Brixtons, and then it was suddenly Ali Pali, and then the O2. You know it was just like that's crazy because like if you don't know the O2 is twenty thousand people. Yeah, I mean it was bonkers, <laughs> um, and and then the same in America as well. I mean like in New York, you know going all the way from 200 cap venue to selling out Madison Square Garden. I mean, I just saying that to you right now, I yeah. I still can't I kind of can't believe we actually did that. I've been to Madison Square Garden and it is massive. Like LCD sound system had to pretend they were retiring just so they could sell it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's just <laughs> ridiculous and for for us, you know, for a band from Leeds who writing songs about books and stuff. I mean, not to sound falsely modest, but it really is crazy. Um and so yeah, it was a mad few years for sure. Has anybody ever worked out the the formula to why why it was so successful? Is it one of those things that you just don't question and you're like, right, you know what? Let's let's not figure it out. Like, we've- yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose no, I'm not sure at all. I mean, can can you say that about any artist? I'm not sure. I mean, maybe Stormzy represents something about you know, sort of Britain, 21st century Britain, in a way that really speaks to people, or maybe he's just an amazing musician who's just really successful because he's really great. I don't know. You could you could argue it both ways, to be honest. Um, I, I, so as, as regards us, I, I don't know at all. I mean, I suppose in America, maybe we just, I think in America, sort of a, a couple of British acts every year kind of break and we just happen to be one of them. We, I think part of it is that we don't, I think part of it is that we appeal to a lot of different people and therefore a lot of different what you'd have to call markets. That was a question I was going to ask. I was like, who is a typical Alt-J fan? And is there one? It's hard to say, really. I mean, probably, like, you know, people who... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think just the fact that, you know, we're certainly for the first two albums, we were being played on Radio 1, Radio 2, and 6 Music, sort of equally... That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Usually, you get you, you might get two out of three. Mm. It's pretty rare to get three out of three. I if think. you get across all three, um, you're generally going to be very successful. Yeah, yeah, and I think it just it just shows that we were as popular with sixteen year olds as we were with sort of you know fifty year olds. But it really. is, isn't that mad to think like normally the, per, the normally like the the kid who's sitting in the, the room like digesting and really like taking in like like a sponge. Yeah. Um, like your music and thinking like this is great this is very alternative this is mm-hmm. this is a bit of me but also somebody's bought it in tesco and yeah. have you have it in the glove compartment yeah, i think exactly. that's that, that's the kind of if you can manage to do that you're going to be a very like well-off person like yeah yeah um and yeah we do we do see we do hear a lot we do see when we meet fans it's often meeting people with their parents and they're both fans you know it's like oh um your daughter my daughter was playing it and now I love it or it's like oh my mum got me into you and you know or my dad <laughs> yeah, and we, you know, parents and children sharing the music together which is really lovely you know listening to it in the car together and bringing I almost said, I almost said bringing families together bringing families now, together <laughs> now Alt-J. I don't mean that but I mean 
you know, please call your next album bringing families, families together. together. I think there is something, of, you know, just like it's quite it's it's rare as a teenager, I think, to find things that you and your parents have in common. I think everybody could say that. And so I think for a certain generation of people, our music was that. Two, two of the big moments I remember from around that time, because I was just about starting radio and I hadn't had my I didn't have my own show at that time. But I was covering everybody. Um, was the Mercury Music Prize, um, and that was at the tail end of 2012, and then the Brit Awards mm. at, at, at the sort of was a February 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Both big big moments for yes. for for the band. Yeah, can you, sure. Can can what what can you remember from that that Mercury Music Prize night? Um, yeah, it was great. I mean, bloody hell. Um, you know, again, it was almost like I think it was this slight sense that everything was preordained in some way in that we of course we won you know what i mean yeah it was like how could we not have won i don't know i think a lot of people actually there was almost quite a big backlash in that way because we were the favorites even before the shortlist was announced we were favorites to win we always really that really annoyed us at the time because it was like i think everybody was saying oh of course all jay are favorites and then when we won everybody you know it was quite a lot of of course, course they won. Of course they it's the favorites. best album of it's the like, year. It's so like, we didn't, we, you know, we just made an album. You know, we, it wasn't our decision to yeah. be favourites, whatever that even means. Uh-huh. Um, but, it, but it was certainly absolutely incredible. I mean, hearing our name being read out by Lauren Laverne was just the best thing that had ever happened to us. I can definitely, definitely say that. Yeah. You know? um, and we had a wicked night and it just was awesome. And then we just went into, we went straight back on the We had a gig in Oxford the next day and it was back to, Back to work, but um, I bet you didn't sleep. Uh, no, I don't think a lot of sleep was had. I don't that think night. so. No, I no. So. I ended up in Dalston. I'd never been to Dalston before. Now I live here. Now you live here. Right now, <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, but it was great. It was really great. I remember hearing a rumor like the next day. You know, way people love like to say yeah. rumors and innuendos and all the rest of it. And somebody told me that um, you <laughs> like thinking back on it now is like this is such bullshit. Um, somebody had told me like maybe the next day or the day after that you said got the money for it and gone and spent it on a restaurant. <laughs> Did you hear that rumor? No, I never heard that. Well, I can tell I can tell you where that rumor came from. We sort of said when people were asking what we did with them, what we were going to do with the money, we we had this plan to take all of our parents out for a big meal, mm-hmm. and then a couple of years later, I did invest in a restaurant myself. So maybe the two things have got so slightly maybe, maybe maybe they were combined on that. I was like, yeah. well, it must be a pretty expensive restaurant because, like, I think what was the price of that? Today? Twenty like grand. Twenty yeah, grand. Yeah. Like, no, and the yeah, actual, I don't think I'll just buy the place. The sad story. Yeah, yeah. it would be a pretty cheap restaurant to buy or a pretty expensive meal. Um, <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. The sad thing is that we never did that, and we just never. We, the money just got put in the bank, I guess, and just yeah. spent on touring and stuff. I I, I wish that it we had quite... done something big with it. Mm-hmm. I wish now that we'd actually given it away because, you know, we we could have done that, and that would have been really awesome. You didn't know that at that time, though. No, at the time, you know, and I just think, yeah, I, I sort of like I know John Berger when he won the Booker Prize, I think gave the prize money to the Black Panthers. Like doing something like that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, well, but it, it, but it's but it's it's very difficult, like a, a, for a band even at the start, even with success, because like you're still skint. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, we were still. Li- I mean, when the, when we won the Mercury Prize, I was I was technically homeless. I mean, I didn't have anywhere to live in London. Um, I was I was staying on friends' sofas and stuff. So it was, um, you know, exactly the thought of giving away that money would have been unthinkable. You know. You kind of bucked the trend um, with the whole idea of a difficult second album. Uh, the second album came out and it was 
incredible, and like it, 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 and it came out and it came out very soon as well. Didn't feel like it was laboured over. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, certainly it couldn't come out soon enough for a lot of our fans. And I think almost we were, you know, felt like we were dealing with people being like, "Where's the second album?" We were like, we would literally in your city like three months ago you know we, we, we need time to write it so we finished touring um in the christmas 2013 and then had christmas off and then went back in the studio in january which was also when gwill left the band so we were supposed to start in the studio writing on the monday and gwill sort of left on the thursday before or something and you know it'd been brewing with him for a while and fair play to him you know there's, there's never a there was never a good he left it he left it he had to tell us at some point he was going to leave. Yeah, well, I mean, like he would have. It wouldn't have been good for him mentally or you guys either if it had just dragged out. No, exactly. And if he'd left on tour, it would have been weird and stuff. And I think if any, you know, it was sad when he left for sure. But I think if anything, it kind of um, galvanized the three of us who le- who remained. Almost like by not by him leaving and us staying it was almost like we'd rejoined the band. We we're like, no, yeah. we're staying and we're going to carry this on. And so we did. And luckily writing that second album was a really immensely enjoyable process. We had a writing studio in an old um, warehouse on um, uh, some road, just just by the Hackney Picture House, just off Mare Street Mm. in East London, and had some really great parties there, and just were like really just, it was almost like the first time we were were back, I had a place in London by this point, and we were, you know, renting a place, and we were just all like having a lot of fun, for sure. You know, like we, we had a few quid in our pockets, and we were just like good album, a big band. We'd, at, we'd, we'd won the Mercury. Yeah, we were we were fucking early twenties, mid twenties, and you know it was awesome. It was really fun. You can you can deal with the hangovers and still go to work at that age. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which trust me, you can't now. Um, no, anybody young listening, it really everything you've heard about turning thirty is true. Um, so yeah, it was um, that was really fun, and we really enjoyed making that album, and then recorded it, and it went to number one, and it sort of carried on the trajectory of of awesomeness really i mean you've not you've not had a dip like at all well that's I, nice I, I don't think you'd like, say like, so like from a sort of critical standpoint don't, yeah don't you worry i'd be the first to stand your neck if you did like <laughs> i'd be like they're having a dip <laughs> quick get the knives out I mean, boys I think the third album you know was didn't sell as many as the first two albums but i mean well, I, I think, think that's that more symptomatic of of album selling less in it's general just, like, it's partly like, that it's partly just like a you know it's very hard you know we were undeniably the new we by that point we were not the flavor of the month or whatever we were not a new young exciting band we were banned on our third album and that's always a funny place to be um and you know as we now are about to start making our fourth album again it's a it's an interesting place to be but you know you you have bands like the wombats who you know sort of you would nobody i think i'm very good friends with murph you know but i think nobody would have had money on them being as big as they are now you know, they've kind of come back in an insanely, in an insane way. I went to their Ali Pali gig um, last year or whenever it was, and most of the crowd were like 16. They find a new audience. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's almost like a, a similar story to Liam Gallagher. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. If you go to a Liam Gallagher concert now, like it's kids that are yeah. going go to his his shows. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the Wombats mm. definitely did have like a, a dip like mid mid career yeah and yeah. managed to completely pull it back it's absolutely amazing it like, is like, i'm it, really happy for them it's really it's great. not exactly phoenix from the flames they were never like that, that far no far, they, far they dipping, like but, no, but but it's it's incredible to see and um a lot of bands like that you think that you haven't heard of here for for quite a while you go to germany or japan or like anywhere around the world 
Mm. Goodbye, like the Kooks say. Oh, mate, the Kooks in like, Germany. Yeah, huge. unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like arenas. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So um, that's, you know, that's always nice to know for us, you yeah. know. Um, well, that, like where, what, what country would be your like second? Like, would the UK be your biggest or would America be your biggest? I think probably America is bigger than the UK. Okay. Yeah, because and, we're, we're bigger. We actually, in the UK, we're quite a London thing. Yeah. We sort of, we don't do that well in like Scotland or like, you know, I mean, we haven't played Northern Ireland actually since our first album, which is, I don't know why that is really, but... Um, in Northern Ireland, the only things that sell ticket-wise in Northern Ireland is like really hard dance music, country music and heritage stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, well, certainly like in Europe, you know, we, we do, we have very, we do really well in, you know, Belgium and France and Germany and the Netherlands and stuff. And then, you know, Australia has always been a, a real home from home for us. Um, you know, have, have really welcomed us, really embraced us as a country and we're insanely grateful for that because you know you can't get further away from home than australia mm-hmm. and it's it was you know we love going there and, and that sort of thing i want to i want to hear about uh like what well, one thing that fans never hear about and people like me like broadcasters never really hear about is the corporate gigs that happen right ah, yeah. um and there's there's one in particular i read i read you talking about maybe about six or seven years ago um a corporate gig that you did for a russian telecom company which was in iceland yes yes probably one of only i think two corporate gigs we've ever done two or three um we've actually we've actually always been quite open to the idea of corporate gigs as like a nice payday that you know the fans don't even have to know about so sort of in a way it's win-win but they don't seem to we don't seem to really get off with them um so yeah this iceland one was amazing because we we um we were quite you know this was like yeah so it was first album and we were still sort of took ourselves quite seriously quite arty and uh it was in like a it was in a sort of reproduction of a viking feasting hall and uh yeah the game of thrones kind of vibes very game of thrones exactly um and uh they were i think they asked us if we would but they were like oh uh will you play happy birthday to our ceo and we were like, How, no. What does happy birthday sound like in a, as an old J song? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that somebody on SoundCloud <laughs> happy birthday, could have birthday, birthday, birthday. Um, But, um, so we were like, no, no. We're actually quite serious band. Also, we're actually terrible pickup musicians. I mean, we probably couldn't play happy birthday. Like, I don't think we really know how. I mean, we could sing it, but what the hell are the chords? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then they were like, oh, also another thing. Um, we're all going to be dressed as Vikings. Would you guys mind dressing as Vikings as well? <laughs> we were like... <laughs> No, flicking our fringes. And then actually then our tour manager, Sarah, who who sadly has now left the industry, uh, sadly for the industry, I mean, um, she was uh, sort of, she wasn't, is quite a sort of no-nonsense. Um, she's no full-time Viking, no, yeah. She's a, she's a Viking lawyer. She's a, yeah. a, a no-nonsense lawyer. But um, I remember her sort of being, saying, sort of saying to us like, guys, come on, you know, it's a bit of a laugh. They are paying you quite good money. Why don't you just do it? Like what? Stop! Stop! Stop taking yourself so seriously. Stop! Take their fucking sticks out of your asses yeah. put, and put on the Viking costumes. We were like, "All right." So we did, and this it was hilarious. So, and this we, is and so there are Spinal photos. Tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, you could do a whole series. You know, uh, we could write a PhD on how much being in a band is exactly like Spinal Tap. Yeah, because um, it really is. But so we ended up putting on on all these furs and sort of leather belts and helmets and things and playing the gig dressed as Vikings. Um, and we had a, an incredibly good laugh doing it. Is there any sort of other spinal taps or sort of war stories that come to mind? 
when, when you think back on crikey what was that all about i mean why do we do that it's amazing how often you do get lost between the dressing room and the stage stages can be very hard to find <laughs> um and uh let's go all jay yeah ten, exactly 10 minutes later yeah yeah Come well, on. where are we um i mean i don't know I, nothing springs to mind immediately but um yeah it, it is very very like that you know um and so yeah that that with that corporate gig was was very funny so I've only got a couple of questions left um, before we, we wrap up the podcast. I want to know what it was like to be on University Challenge. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't mean, see that episode. So was it just you that went on or was it the whole band? Just me, just me. Yeah. It was funny actually because they they offered it they offered it to Joe being the lead singer. Um, and Joe, I think, would be the first to admit that like quizzes and stuff are not really his thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I was sort of like, please, please. Can I do this? And I sort of uh, emailed back and said, would they have me? You know, like I would just be, because I grew up watching it with my dad. I mean, it's just like a huge part of my childhood and adolescence watching University Challenge. See, I, here's the question. How many did you get right? I would watch it with my mum and whoever got the least amount of questions right had to yeah. go make the cup of tea. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, watching it with my dad was a nightmare because my dad is just like insanely intelligent but also just knows a lot of stuff of facts and stuff but I mean I was quite good and so I, I the reason I put my hand up for it was because I actually thought it wasn't that I wanted to be on TV it was like I thought I'd actually do quite well and we did so our team got to the final I did in the first round match in the semi-final I did really well got loads right and then in the final I didn't get a single one right and we just got absolutely bollocked by um, <laughs> a female college from Oxford I can't remember what college it was St. Anne's or St. Margaret's or something Is there, yeah. a, qu- is there a question that, that- you can remember from it that haunts you? Uh, yes, there go, is. Go on, ask me, because um, I, I definitely so it was. Know. It was basically, the, I can't remember exactly how the question was phrased, but it was like, what, whose Saints Day is the 6th of December? Saints. Bear in mind, it's a Christmassy Christmas one. Oh, God. Um, who's, a, who's a Christmas saint, apart from Jesus? Like, uh, well, St. Nicholas. St. Like Nicholas. Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that makes so a lot of sense. I, but I buzzed in. And said St. Stephen, and I know that St. Stephen's Day is Boxing Day because that's yeah. what you call it in Ireland. I yeah, think, that's isn't what we call it. Yeah, oh, and God, I, so yeah. I, I buzzed, and then, and the second I said St. Stephen's Day, I was like, it's not St. Stephen's. I know, I know it's not, and I knew it was fucking St. Nicholas because I used to have a Dutch girlfriend, and they really, for them, the sixth of December, Sinterklaas is like, sort of like their Christmas, right? Yeah, they get really, they have like stocking, they have their stockings on the sixth of December in, in okay. Holland, and to celebrate. Poor old Jesus, like they're I know, right? Jesus doesn't get looking. It's all about. It's all about St. Nicholas and he comes to Holland and all this stuff. Um, and I was just I really annoyed with myself because it was, I gave a stupid answer and I, and I actually, and that was one of the ones I could have got right if I'd thought about it. But I was, I was so panicked. I was getting so many wrong. It was, it was, it really does haunt me. It could be worse. Like the, the week that we record this, um, a, a video has gone viral. Um, I think it might, it might've been mastermind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a, a young lady on it. And the question was like, who is the, swedish climate change activist yep. who stood up in front of the un and, and talked sure and the, the young girl sat there and she was like oh i, I don't know sharon, <laughs> sharon. <laughs> and it was obviously greta Thunberg, yeah, like yeah. So not greta, even offering a surname so, just sharon yeah do you know what i mean it could be it, it could yeah, have been a lot no. worse i didn't it didn't end up in um private eye has a little thing called dumb britain which is like quiz shows people giving horrendously bad answers on quiz shows and you know I, I wouldn't have made it to that but it does annoy me. Um, but it was amazing to be on there. I mean, um, you know, getting to go to the studio. I actually, I'll, I'll show you in a minute. I've got, I've got um, 
you get to keep your like acetate name label for your light box. Mm-hmm. So, oh wow, you get to keep that. You get, so not you don't get the whole light box. It just comes. It's just like a piece of um, you know, the stuff that te- like you put on the projector, yeah, that kind yeah. of plastic sheeting. Uh-huh. You get to keep that with your name on it because obviously they couldn't reuse it because it's been printed with your surname. Yeah, so of course. I've got mine, and my friend made it into a light box for me, which I have above the door there, and. It's really cool. That, yeah, I'll I, show mean, you. That, I think you're gonna like it. I'm pretty. I, I'm, I'm in on that. Like I, 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 I want to do university challenge just simply just because I want that. Like I'll not get anything right. Yeah, I just yeah. Pick my nose and like. It was cool. Smile. It was. It was very cool. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. So what? 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 What is? Um, as we record this in January 2020, what is the year hold for for all Yeah. Is the year hold for uh, so we are gonna be um working on a new album this year. Um, I don't know how much I. There isn't a lot to give away, really, other than the fact that we are planning to, you know, very soon um, get together in a room and write songs. So that's the plan. I don't do know how long it's going to take. Do but. you write in in London? Do you write uh, like in LA? And like, what, what do you do? No, I mean, I suppose you know, Joe being the main songwriter, he writes on his own time and stuff. But there's also things that we sort of jammed on tour that we've got recordings of in sure. sound checks and stuff that we want to work on. And then also, there's always you know that a few spontaneous things that um, come up when we're just in the room. That's the really exciting bit, I think, is just when the three of us to get together and, and write. So we've got a little place in around the corner uh, near Kev. No doubt I'll be seeing him even more. From Two Doors and the uh, And, uh, not yet. And um, I've just given away where he lives. And you're welcome, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> and his address is. Um, and uh, yeah, so that would be, re- you know, just be really nice just to almost like have office hours. You know, that's usually how we do it. I mean... I'm not saying nine to five, it's probably more like 11 till four with a pretty long lunch break. But, you know, Monday to Friday, working on music and it's great fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me into your very, very nice home. Thank and, you for coming. Uh, yeah, good, good, good luck with the year. I, I can't wait to hear the, the fruits of the labours. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Phil. Thanks for having me. forward. It's the one move we're all ready to take. And at the Audi Moving Forward sales event, we're ready to help you on that journey. All Audi dealerships are now open. With tailored solutions to suit your individual needs, like the Audi A4 Saloon with PCP finance from only €399 per month. Now is the time to make an appointment. Now is the time to start moving forward. Audi. Vorsprung Duck Technik. Terms and conditions apply.